so this next episode is with my friend Cyclo Scott, and uh, I just kind of wanted to give a storm warning on this, is that we uh, we talk about some pretty heavy topics. I mean, Cyclo kind of starts talking about a cliche identity, and I think it's hard to do that without kind of getting into, you know, the history of indigenous people in Canada and residential schools and all these things. Um, but... I don't, you know, neither of us, I'm certainly not an expert on that, and I mean, neither is Seclo, so I, I, sometimes we kind of, the brevity or the lack of intensity, I guess, seriousness, we delve into these issues, you know, there's just so much more than you could ever possibly say in an hour, and it's also not the purpose of this podcast, I suppose the podcast is to kind of be lighthearted and show that, you know, no matter what the topic is, you know, you don't necessarily have to shy away with it, from it, but I hope we just kind of do a respectful job of jumping through topics so rapidly in this and uh no no keep that in mind enjoy check 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 one two welcome to the dispatches from the scandamaniac podcast i'm your host uh captain in quotations rylan johnson uh my guest today is cyclo scott cyclo can you uh do us an honor and ring the scandamaniac ship's bell okay oh that that was the perfect that was the best bell ring we've yep. had on the podcast Why, to date um Seclo, I mean, we have been friends for, I mean, I guess it's pretty much as long as I've been in Yellowknife, uh, three, four years, or I don't know how long now, but... Yeah, I actually was trying to think of, like, when we first met, and I... Yeah, I don't have... I don't remember. ...clear memory of it either. I think, actually, I, I the reason I think we're friends is because I moved in with Mark, he was dating Dana. Oh, right, yes. And then you were Dana's Yellowknife best friend, connection. so... Yeah, I think we should just start with, uh, you know, what I like to do on this podcast is just give a shout-out to Dana. Yeah, Dana! <laughs> and how much we love Dana, and uh, we miss she's you. She's in England right now. I know, I know. She's she's a big loss to our, to our northern identity. Um, you are also another huge loss. So yeah. you are living in Victoria, Victoria, BC. My uh, mm-hmm. alma alma mater. I just made. I don't even know if that means. I went to University of Victoria yeah. for eight years or something. Far too long. Uh-huh. Uh, as a you know, yellow knifer. Yeah. How are you liking Victoria? I hate it. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> What, like, everything about it? Like, how? Did, I mean, um, it's sunny and nice. I mean, and... yeah, no. It, it's, like, warm and sticky. and <laughs> Warm and sticky. <laughs> it is. And, like, it, there's lots of people around everywhere, and it's really loud. Yeah, just, like, isn't yeah, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. You are the most, one of the most yellow knifer people I know. Like, there was a period where you had not left town. For like yeah. what, like a couple oh years. My God, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like I, I actually hadn't left and like even gone down the Ingram Trail. For yeah. Like just... that long. Like actually just stayed in Yellowknife and was like so content. <laughs> like it, I didn't even realize it had been that long. And you have this other thing where you're always just like so content with the winter and the coldness, and I yeah, love it. Like awesome. all of these southerners, like myself, are bitching about the winter, and you're like, ah, oh, what? But no, it's I so love great. it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's perfect. Um, okay, wow, so you're, what are, what are you doing in Victoria right now? What's your... Um, so I'm studying, uh, anthropology at University of Victoria, um, and actually had just finished a certificate in cultural anthropology at Yukon College in Whitehorse. Oh, okay, that's cool. So, yeah, transferred over into second year, I guess. And, well, so what are you gonna do? You hate it? You... <laughs> yeah, I do! So I'm moving like, back what, to... But why do you hate it? Like, I mean... Um, well, I mean, okay, yeah. I, I don't like the climate, and I don't like this. I'm not used to cities anymore, but more specifically, like, I don't really enjoy the people either. Like, I've met some cool people, granted, but, like, a good majority of the people I go to school with are, like, white, rich, 
male and like, you know, having left the island before and pretty narrow minded. Yeah. And also, I'm, how old are you? You're. Oh, God. Right. I'm also old. <laughs> I'm 29. Yeah. I think so that's. So going a... to school with like 19. Yeah. They're 19, I think, <laughs> yeah. is another big thing. And 19 yeah. year olds are idiots really yeah yeah just they're just i was an idiot when i was 19 pretty ignorant yeah and i'm still an idiot i guess so (laughs) maybe that's what yeah that's valid so am i yeah this is the sorry i also forget to do this i give a storm warning on this podcast which is that uh, i don't really know what i'm talking about i'm just talking just uh yeah just a couple of dummies talking is Mm -hmm. what i like to say but you know whatever that's fine we talk about things because you have to and you gotta kind of explore them yeah for sure um yeah, that's disappointing. Like, so is it just like you're sitting in class and your classmates are just saying stupid things? But like, what about the teachers? I mean, Uvic has some great teachers. Yeah, the teachers are okay. Uh, well, no, that's, I've had, I have two really awesome teachers. And then one that's like a rich old white professor who like is teaching about culture anthropology and is like, the way he executes things is really weird. Like he'll talk about um, the processes that and and theories of culture anthropology that used to happen when anthropology was like a brand new thing a brand new practice yeah and like part of what he's explaining is like these really racist ideals and you know if he were a more progressive person just like a little bit he would you know counter what he's explaining by saying like this isn't or like not that i expect him to say like this isn't okay but like times have changed and we don't go by those and he does a little bit but not enough that like i feel these kids are understanding that like they're not really getting the other aspect that yeah this is what they did and that's how they um they studied people in different cultures but like it was wrong yeah can you kind of give sort of like an example of that yeah Yeah, that's that's too academic (laughs) for both of us i think (laughs) (laughs) i don't like talking in Um, academic speak right yes okay so for instance, we will talk about how um, this particular um, anthropologist went to this like um, this island to study this group of people, and the way he went about it was that like um, he was kind of exploitive. Like he didn't tell them what they were doing, or like um, we had another. Eh, maybe I'll give a better case. Okay, so there was these group of people who like were going to um it was somewhere on bc man i'm getting caught up in the details because yeah yeah it. no it's like this is just a conversation it was just bullshit i don't you can make it up <laughs> yeah but it's not made up and that's yeah, what's yeah, gonna sorry. bug me okay, okay yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> don't make it up <laughs> um yeah so he this like dude went to uh an indigenous group and um was digging up bodies essentially and stealing them and lying to the people about stealing them yeah that's just well that i i <laughs> and so like and obviously that's a bad thing but like the way the professor will explain it is kind of like it feels like he's siding with the person who's stealing the bodies oh interesting and not taking into consideration the alternative perspective yeah, that, that and, one just seems obviously wrong to me, you know. Yeah, but I, and it's and it's it's weird the way he executes his his uh, his like lectures. He's like kind of um like avoiding a conversation. That's what it feels like. He feels like he's avoiding the race conversation. Yeah, and I and like exploitation and colonization and all that shit. 
and you know what I think you <laughs> intuitively kind of getting the sense that he's avoiding it is probably exactly what's happening because yeah. I think a lot of people are they're they're afraid to say the wrong thing or they're just they don't know I don't know they like if you're old you haven't reconciled your views with the proper views of the right. world so you just like don't even go there which is yeah. a, not a solution for anyone no really. absolutely I'd much rather have like a frank conversation with somebody like because I'm not a fucking expert I mean I'm indigenous That's- and and I have pretty strong views on a lot of shit, but doesn't mean I'm always right. Like I'm open to a conversation, and that's what I, that's what I do, really don't appreciate it because like it kind of happens in my um, other classes too, where like a situation like a conversation like this would come up, or like we'll talk um, quite often about social issues in Canada, and like I'm the first person in the class. Well, also I don't really care because I'm. I'm older, I guess that kind of helps. Like, I don't really care. I chime in and like state my opinion, but then the entire rest of the class is like quiet and they don't, you know, they don't ever counter what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's, that's, I imagine that's just annoying. It's almost like, it's like tokenization in a way. It's like, Oh, the indigenous person spoke and then they just like, aren't. Yeah. No. And then they like are too afraid to say anything against what I'm, you know, stating, but even yeah that's interesting and even if i think they agreed with it they just like don't and this is probably uh i mean a it's just like a lack of life experience thing i imagine that night when i'm night you're 19 you just have no life experience you just yeah. don't know how to talk to people yeah that's true i i, I don't know and maybe i'm wrong but i like assume I was totally a little piece of shit that like yeah, never said me, anything, so. me too and yeah, I and get it. And I think there's just this reality down south that, like, people are <laughs> they're just in bubbles sometimes. And yeah. it's like, you know, they don't ever talk to indigenous people. And they've right. gone probably their whole life not talking to one. And it's just like... That's true. I've never thought of that, actually. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm not, like, trying to make <laughs> a compassionate argument for no, the 19-year-old. No, but that's a, that's a really I'm just good like... point, though. Because that's something that, like... I, yeah, that's totally valid. Like, that... Well, I mean, not valid that they're not arguing or, like, discussing things with me. But more that, like... That is probably their situation. Yeah, they're just in a bubble. And they're yeah. like, oh, my bubble got burst. I don't know what to do now. Yeah. You know, I haven't operated in this world. Yeah. And that's a... It's an annoying thing in, in a lot of ways. Because yeah. I think it... It leads to almost this, like... You know... Uh, yeah, this, this, this is... It's, there's so much to think about here. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert in it. I even talking to you, who's like yeah. my best friend, like... We, <laughs> <laughs> really good friend for yeah. years. It's like I don't know. I don't know what my opinions are yeah. on these things. Yeah. I'm just a dummy and, and yeah. whatnot. And it's hilarious because it's I. It, I think there also becomes this like attachment that like we got to solve these big problems. But no. it's like, no, we're just bullshitting and having a conversation. Yeah. Um. So are you? What, what's your plan? Are you gonna hold out and continue going to Victoria? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> like no. <laughs> um. Yeah. I've already made plans. I'm already moving back to Whitehorse. Yeah. I'll go there in the fall. So I'll do that instead. And what are you going to do in Whitehorse? Um, I'll actually finish and do a... So I was doing a degree at UVic, and so I'll move to UConn and do a diploma there in the large and just focus on anthropology. That's cool, cool. And, like, do you... I mean, what have you... I mean, I guess, obviously, too, like, being educated in the UConn, I mean, the North is just exponentially different, too, than going yeah, to UVic. Yeah, you, like, tiny little classes, and you actually get to know people there. Yeah, exactly, and there's... You can have, like, real conversations with your profs. Yeah. Yeah. That must be nice. And then... It is, yeah. Plus, like, Whitehorse is fucking, bore- like, gorgeous. There's mountains everywhere, and there's, like, trails everywhere, so... <laughs> you, you are, like... <laughs> 
you're fucking Scott from Yellowknife. You're like supposed to be representing Yellowknife, and here yeah, you but are. White horse is better. <laughs> oh my god! It, I mean, Sorry. it is nice. It's they got mountains and it's beautiful. Oh uh, yeah. But I also like. I think Victoria is nicer. So mm, <laughs> you no. clearly like. You got to stick in the north to be. Yeah, content. I need. I really like the amount of trails. I, well, that's like most of what I do, right? Like, Just go hiking. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So it's nice to like. There's actually trails like you walk outside, go to your back door, and there's like a beautiful trail going down and up and down a mountain. So, I mean, why wouldn't I want to be there? <laughs> yeah, fair. I, I... Plus, they have winter too. So, <laughs> so you get winter plus you get trails. Yeah. I mean, plus also the other like theme of this podcast is just talking about Yellowknife and Yellowknife. Like, I even for me, who's only been here a few years, is like super small mm-hmm. and hard to escape from. You need to go, you know, escape. And for I imagine you, who's you know has yeah, and you have a huge family and there's just massive family. yeah, your relatives everywhere. Yeah. It's like, you White Horse is like a, an escape. It's kind of nice to be like, oh wow, it is. I mean, I can have a little anonymity for a bit. Yeah, it's nice though too because it's like close. So like I could come back and forth quite often, which is sweet. Yeah, super easy. Yeah, one flight. Yeah, one flight. It's awesome. Earth is the shit. Yeah, it is. Air North is the best airline going. Yeah, right? <laughs> I love, I love flying them. It's like I, you, you feel like a true northern experience. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just this podcast will just turn into how great the Yukon is. Right, it should. I mean, Yellowknife is awesome, but like Yukon is better. <laughs> so like, wow, wow, this is a big statement coming for you. So after you uh, go to school, like, are you gonna? You gonna stay there? What are your thoughts? I what are you know. gonna do? I don't know. What, what are you doing with your life? Who Come fucking on, knows? You're... Like, really? <laughs> Does anybody? I'm sure lots of people do. No, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm a perpetual adolescent. I'm just trying to grow up, is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying that hard. <laughs> <laughs> slowly, slowly. <laughs> uh, yeah. No thanks. Um, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about is um, just like, so. I mean, what what is your kind of identity right now? So this is another theme of this mm. podcast is that, like, I am, like, always thinking about identity in regards to myself and other people. And I one of the themes of this podcast is, like, at what point am I or is a person a yellow knifer? What right. point am I, am I a northerner? Like, can I can I own those things? Or is mm-hmm. it like, no, you're not from here. Fuck off kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like, if you're from PEI, like, no matter... If you're not from PEI, no matter how long you live there, you're like you're from come from aware, like you're yeah, just, yeah, you know that's like yeah. not there. Um, <laughs> and then you like you know you're Cleacho, you're from Yellowknife, yeah. you have a huge family here, yeah. And now you're like you're living in a different place. Like, how is that playing out into your day to day life? Or is it kind of just like oh, this is who I am? Do you have you kind of reflected on that? Of like, I have, yeah, because the one thing I've noticed is especially not being in the town that I grew up in anymore. Yeah. Is that like, um, the fact that I'm really kind of claiming my indigenous identity. Cause I feel like I almost need to like fight for it because I'm not like, people just don't know that about me because they don't necessarily look indigenous. I mean, I have cheekbones or whatever, but like I'm pretty fucking white. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's actually one of the things that like, I, I think about a lot because like now that I'm not in, yellow knife well, I, have to, ident- I have to make that claim yeah for, that's... for people to to recognize that about me well and it, it's interesting in yellow knife because like you're 
you your identity you don't have to make it it's like you you're yeah it's like scott like you know it's just you can't escape it like i'm cleo like (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly it's already there like Like your uncle's the grand chief it's like just so connected and obvious you know um yeah, it's easy here because, like, yeah, I don't have to explain all that. People just know. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and I guess just like, but now moving to Whitehorse, where you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of like, you know, not have that be your entire identity. How have you been like thinking about? And like, you're studying anthropology, where yeah. like, I, the one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because we have had such great conversations about kind of this importance of culture, and yeah, I think it's totally. you know like historically being aware of like the land you're on and the connections yeah. and just like your relations with other people and mm-hmm. when you are in Yellowknife all of that is just so it's you can almost take it for granted it's I, just, oh it's, absolutely and I do and like it's actually kind of cool being in school now I've like um I've had a lot of discussions with my mom about like our cultural practices um like one that I was telling you about the other day like um I'm taking this anthropology or archaeology of death course this semester and yeah. it's all about like graves and inscriptions on graves and the importance of cultural practice regarding burials and like um, what peop- what different cultures do and com- kind of comparing them. And so it was kind of interesting to reflect on that with my own mom and think about like the Clicho traditions that I know. Like I remember very vividly going to um, like funerals in Bechko and um, at the end of it, like they would have the ceremony, whatever. And then when they were um, bringing the casket to graveyard I was told like don't look back like always look forward um and I remember thinking oh that's a really weird like I've like I've never experienced that at at non-Clicho funerals and then the other one was that like um um the other practice that we do oh we burn they burn everything so once a person passes um they burn like everything they burn um, people's clothing, the mattresses they oh, slept on, like all the photographs, like everything. They burn everything that um, that person like used on a regular basis, like touched and stuff. And I remember asking my mom when I was back uh, in November, like what the significance of those those traditions are. And she actually made a really interesting point that I hadn't even thought about. Like she's like, uh, I don't know if those are cliche traditions or if they're actually Catholic traditions. Yeah, yeah. Because the, like, Clicho culture is so entwined with Catholics, Catholic, oh my god, I can never say that word. Catholicism. (laughs) Catholicism. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, it was, like, interesting, because I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, it could totally just be, it could be, like, not our tradition, necessarily. I mean, it's our adapted tradition now. Yeah, yeah. But, like, who the fuck knows where it originally came from? And it's weird, because, like, it kind of made me think about like all the traditions I know about Clicho culture and like how much of it was pre-contact and how much of it is um influenced by the church it was like yeah super weird reflection well and in you know yeah it's an interesting exercise because I think in a lot of ways the way culture works is it all becomes intertwined and sometimes things mm-hmm. get adopted and reformed and yeah. it's like it's not a clean separation but it's like certainly super interesting to think about i mean do you know the reason for either of those ones or or do you know like i i I, i'm not like well versed enough in either (laughs) traditions or catholicism Um, to know yeah we did talk about it a little bit more in depth and um the one where you you're not allowed to look back was we like we kind of assume that had something to do with like not um letting that person's spirit stay 
they're like holding onto their their spear like always looking forward yeah and then the other one like for sure had something to do with like disease potentially oh that would make sense actually yeah like because there's i mean like you burn everything to get rid of like yeah smallpox epidemic just in right like like decimated the indigenous population of north america so So, like like, that was definitely a thing so that's kind of like what we came to like after discussing it for a little bit came to the conclusion like maybe that was part of it but like we yeah and don't know you don't know for sure well and and that's a super interesting one because if it becomes a tradition like a lot of you know i mean I'm not an anthropologist, I have no yeah. idea what it is. But, like, a lot of traditions come out of, like, practical realities. Like, mm-hmm. there's these things in the Bible, like, don't eat shellfish because, yeah. like, that was poisonous at the yeah, time. Or, like, sure. you know, don't eat pork because they were viewed as highly bacteria. And then it's, yeah. like, years later, that's a tradition, and people forget that, like, maybe it had practical regions yeah. to pass that down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been interesting, like, doing these anthropology courses. It, yeah, it's given me the opportunity to talk to my mom a lot about our own practices and, like, what things I, I wouldn't have asked before to be honest like the other one um uh i remembered when i was a kid i read a book um and in it it was describing cliche women as having traditional tattoos yeah and i remember thinking even like i read it as like a 14 year old um and thinking like oh that's really interesting and weird that i've never heard of like that being a thing in our culture yeah and so I started asking my mom about this, like, since I went to school. And she's like, oh, I don't know. But we can, like, research this. So we start, we actually, like, went on a little, like, researching expedition. And, like, it's funny because in Klicho culture, is there's so little recorded. Because yeah. it's an oral language, an oral history. So it was actually kind of interesting to go back and, like, look at the first explorers, um, recounts of... And, um, like, meeting Klicho people and, like, the Yelenev's Dene and stuff. And, like, trying to find out whether they had the same description or different descriptions of Klicho women. And I actually found that there was, like, a, a three different explorers that described Klicho women with tattoos. That's super interesting. And, I, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. And I, like, clearly a lot of people didn't, you know? Well, and, and the other thing is it's not, like, you know, there's actually, like, a huge tattoo, like, tattoo revitalization um, movement happening in a lot of indigenous communities. Absolutely, yeah, um, and I, I mean, even in Yellowknife, where there's like you know yeah. a huge Anuk and Inuit population, there's yeah. people rocking you know face yeah. tattoos again. Yeah, it's, it's like... pretty amazing. So it's interesting that like that's all happening, but like nobody's brought up the fact that Klicho people potentially had them, or whether that's like that was actually their tradition or influenced by another indigenous group, or or maybe they these explorers weren't even encountering Klicho people and just like describe describe their own dudes. Yeah, that. So I mean. Is that part of the reason you've, like, chosen to, you know... I, I mean, <laughs> this is the other thing. It's like, I don't want to put too much burden on you to be like, explain Klicho culture to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're just bullshitting. But, like, yeah, yeah. is that, like, part of your motivation for studying anthropology? Is because oh, absolutely. It's the- entirely selfish. Like, I just want to learn more about my own culture. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, like, every, actually, a good majority of my papers at, when I was in at UConn College, I pretty much just based them all on, like things I wanted to research about Klicho culture or um, Denny cultures in the NWT. Yeah, and you're in just such a unique position to do that as yeah. this, you know, like, the youngest generation of, like, Klicho people. It's like, you are the person who's going to carry this forward, and it's yeah. like, you know, there's this, there's so many interesting intersections there because you're, you know, you're whatever, 
second generation, yeah. third generation residential yeah, schools. Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. you're a lot of these things is like starting to come out and it's like now it's like, well, where do I place all of this in my identity? You for know, sure. I, no, absolutely. <laughs> I've <done> yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. It's it's been interesting because yeah, I, I think about that a lot. Like, what do we lose when residential schools came through and like did we lose anything or did we adapt and change our cultures according to the new practices or like, yeah, I think about it quite a bit actually. Yeah. And it's one of these other interesting things is that I, I, what happens I think a lot with like talking about indigenous culture is that like, um, people like to freeze it in time. They like Mm -hmm. to, even there's like within our own legal doctrines, there's all of this like debate about like what indigenous rights were at the time of contact and pre and post contact becomes this thing as if like, Oh, the culture just stopped and it's like nope. such a, it's such an absurd <laughs> yeah. thing because it's like well what what do you no, mean you're sitting sure. right here yeah, and like yeah, you sure. you like, as an individual now have to deal with these issues yeah, culture is fucking alive <laughs> like, yeah it's, people are not dead you know like we're still around <laughs> yeah and it's like you know the fact that like terrible things like residential school happened in your past like are part of the culture and yeah. you have to like reconcile that and you know yeah. but i mean i use the word reconcile because that's what reconciliation Actually, is yeah totally. there's an onus you know there's as an acknowledgement it, of the wrongdoing and like a moving forward yeah exactly yeah. and that fault and that's the other reason i like i think people are a little too hesitant to talk about these things sometimes yeah. and i do understand that like i don't want to i'm not at all in a position to like you know i we all recognize the like unspeakable and just ab- unspeakable funny terrible trauma that occurred yeah, in yeah. residential schools and this onus on you know all canadians yeah. and you know the catholic church or anglican church or whatever yeah. to like repair these wrongs but it's also interesting to you as this like individual to be like well where do where do i place all this and, yeah absolutely and, <laughs> sorry like, i'm putting words in your mouth <laughs> no no, no. It is. that's that's totally like that's how it, that is how i feel like how do I, where do I, like, what's my place in all this? And what's my role in, in achieving, you know, reconciliation? Because that's also part of it. I also have to, you know, take into other people's perspectives and, like, have honest discussions. That's a huge part of it. So. Yeah, and it's something I think about in the North a lot, too, because, like, I, I, <laughs> the, the, Clicho is an interesting one. Like, I go to a lot of meetings, and the first thing that happens in every Clicho meeting is an elder stands up, and they say the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, and it's like, it's, yeah. if I was any, anywhere else, I would not <laughs> I stand up for the Lord's Prayer. Right, like, like, I I was raised kind of Catholic light. Like, I yeah. went to Catholic school with yeah. my grandmother. But even my dad today talks about how much Catholic yeah. guilt fucked him up. And it's like, I am so anti-Catholic. Yeah. And then I'm like, uh, like I, how do I place this like you know part of indigenous culture the catholicism that is yeah. so built in yeah like who the fuck am i to like take the no, anti-catholic totally. stand so i just stand up and I... yeah for sure it's it's i also find it really weird that like they're so attached to catholicism hey i said it right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so attached to it given like the history of residential schools but it was interesting actually i had a conversation i forget who it was with uh about how ingrained it is in our culture and one of the one of the things this person said was like yeah but that also makes it really like maybe that was what people turned to when they were going through such traumatic experiences you know that although they were in residential schools and most likely experiencing some really shit things like that's what they could turn to and like 
hold on to and that would give them hope. It's really weird to think about, but like, it kind of gave me like empathy in that respect. Yeah, and that, I think that from on a human level, that makes sense. If you're in a situation and you know you're not allowed any spiritual outlets except one, yeah, like, and you find relief in it, like mm-hmm. clearly that's going to have meaning to you. And yeah. I, I mean that has been. <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah. the way the catholic church has spread its doctrine throughout yeah. the world it's told people not to do their other practices yep. <laughs> here yeah, here's the very, option very and humans need a yeah. spiritual and a cultural outlet yeah you know? absolutely but then there becomes this whole question which i am in no way you know yeah. entitled to really even have an opinion on but you have to then deal with like well yeah, like i, I mean, <laughs> i'm not i'm not catholic and I'm, i don't practice um any religion really yeah because i because i have such a hard time accepting that as being okay after all that indigenous people endured so it's it's a really weird position to be in because like cliche people are so catholic yeah and um yeah it's so a part of the culture now whether it was before or not it's really hard for me to say because there actually are like an first explorers who recount Klicho people as being very devout. Like the first explorers that came to the NWC, like Samuel Hearn and everybody. And it's it's weird because like they always talk about like historically, Klicho people always talk about how, how they've always held like they've always had strong views and very spiritual people. Yeah, well and I I mean So it's hard to know like whether like God just became what they called it instead of Yamoria or whatever. Yeah, which I, I, I well, I, I imagine that does, ha- did happen because that's yeah. what happens a lot when, you know, Catholicism came to the Americas. It created a lot of these kind of hybrid practices, and, mm-hmm. you know, in Mexico they have Day of the Dead and stuff yeah. that are like, yeah. you know, clearly like Aztec traditions. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so it's like it creates this blending and, you know, it's especially in a culture that, you know, respect your elders listen to your elders and your elders are going to be very close to the catholicism and it's like are holding so much of this knowledge it's like i it's a very tough question to be like but there's this huge chunk of it where i identify yes i'm not catholic yeah and they're and cliche people are super traditional like so like like the one thing we were talking before is like the whole like women aren't allowed to do a lot of things in Klicha culture. You know, we're not we're not allowed to drum, we're not allowed to to hunt, really. And like it they even the young people in Klicho the Klicho communities are very dedicated to upholding what the elders want. Yeah. And a lot of what they want is also like to ensure that God is a part of your life and Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, yeah, weird for, weird place for me to be in. And also, like, who the fuck am I to say, like, don't do or change your ways, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it creates this, like, yeah, who the fuck are any of us, you know? Right? You just, we have these conversations <laughs> and you have these conversations with your relatives and yeah. your friends. And it's like, you just talk and you figure it out. But yeah. it's like, it's an interesting, you know, real debate, I think, for a younger generation to be like, I'm a woman, I'm not allowed to drum. Yeah. I view drumming as like an essential part of a way to pass down a culture that yeah. I want to pass down, Yeah. but I can't. And like, what do I do then? Yeah, like, I... I know. The one thing that like, 
I would love to learn how to play hand games. Yeah. Like that, I've always thought it was so cool. Because <laughs> it is cool. Yeah, it's, it's but amazing. But you can win, like, shit tons of money, which is also, like... A <laughs> I want to win some money. I want to win some money. But, like, it's, yeah, it's hard because, like, I'm also in that space. I also think about this a lot, is, like, I want to be included in more things and be allowed to explore my culture in all aspects, whether I'm a woman or not. Yep. Um... But at the same time, I'm like, but I actually like, you know, it's weird, but like, I, I want to say like, that's not okay for me to just expect that or be allowed to, because that's not what our culture is about. Yeah, no, I, and I, I think that's fair. I, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just weird because, like, it's a, it's if, a... we were, if it were anybody else, like, if I, I was talking to somebody, like, a friend, and she was, like, going on about how, like, her, her community is very patriarchal and she's not allowed to get involved in these practices and it upset her, I'd be, like, totally siding with her. Yeah. You know? And I'd be like, fuck okay, you're a woman, do what you want. Yeah, exactly. But, like, but it's me. <laughs> and I'm like... And you're um, hesitant to side with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because it is... Yeah, it's uh, it's such a yeah weird place to be in. Because, yeah, I don't... I also don't want to go against our cultural beliefs or impose my own views on, on our culture. Because that's been done enough. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a, a very real concern and perhaps... I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I have no re- understanding of why some groups become more traditional than the others and really yeah. hold on to older ways. But I imagine if there's, you know, throughout the last few hundred years been an encroaching threat of like assimilize, assimilation yeah, yeah. and like, you know, trying to wipe out your culture, like that yeah. you become a little more defensive about yeah. outside influence. Absolutely. Which is, a, you know, seems like a completely reasonable response. Yeah, that, I mean, that's totally valid. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but here you are now as a person who's like you know I I mean you you have yeah. you have a bunch of nieces and nephews and you know whether yeah. you have children or not like you yeah. have to like make a decision as a parent largely to like what is the version of Clicho culture yeah. that I raise my children in and absolutely like, like you know what do I say when they ask me like mom why can't I drum yeah you know? exactly like what traditions do I uphold and pass on to future generations and can I live with that am yeah. I okay with it. Man, it's fucking complicated. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> I just want to be a lazy shit yeah. for the rest of my life. And you're never a have human. to think about you're a human anything. is really difficult. Uh, isn't it though? Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, but I, and the other thing is that I like I I I don't I don't want to talk about this too much as if like you have all the answers or that <laughs> I definitely don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't have any answers or that like that this isn't. You know, in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a unique or not. It's part of the human experience is that yeah. the younger generation has to decide. And like we've been seeing this in the standard white North American culture of like there was all these like mm-hmm. hippies. And then like there was these like Reagan era neocons. And then there's like the millennials who are just like been rejecting so many of these cultural norms. And yeah, they're like, yeah. you know, I'm going to be open sexually. I'm going to be a radical feminist. I'm going to yeah. do this. And it's like so like. It is part of, I think, a, a largely human experience for the younger generation to question their parents' yeah, ideals and things. For sure. And then when it gets attached to culture, you know, not just, like, politics, it's like, where is that line? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a... Yeah. it's a, 
and I, th I think, you know, we both kind of agree and even probably most Catholics agree that like a reawakening needs to happen. Just the other day, the Pope is calling like a three day oh God, conference yeah. on like sexual abuse in the church. And like clearly there's an onus on Catholics to like wake up and question a lot of the secrecy, the shame oh <laughs> and the practices that have led to just terrible abuses you know yeah i i think even a practicing catholic is now recognizing that the damn pope is recognizing it you know as they should <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so it's it's this like questioning previous things is you know part of the human experience yeah, it's just for sure it is hard to do yeah and annoying like <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh i just spilled a cup of tea on the floor <laughs> also i'm gonna pass you your tea oh thanks um you want a towel or something? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause this for one second. Everyone, yeah, okay. check check while I clean up the tea. Okay, it's funny because we take these pauses, but if we listen back to them, it's just like so abrupt because we're talking, and then it's like, oh, and here we're back, and this is like you didn't even take a break in my ear. Yeah, yeah. I should play an ad or something. Um, no, don't do it. Yeah, so I, I mean, the the one of the reasons I really like talking to you, Zach, is because we have like a very mutual uh, dark sense of humor <laughs> and perspective on the world, and we yes. I think we both believe that you can kind of engage with dark issues and somewhat laugh about them even and like you know yeah. find them curious like we're, I, all, I, we're both a little fucked up yeah like we both i know like horror films oh we've made God, a couple yes. we made a film a few years ago where you know i killed dana and yeah. butchered her and just like you it was know great yeah exactly it was blood. It was Be beautiful just <laughs> over and we both like serial killer podcasts yeah and like, they're the best you know, <laughs> exactly there's just like this kind of understanding about you know that people are allowed to appreciate really dark things yeah. and sometimes it's even a release totally. um and it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, we just, well, I don't know, in a matter of 30 minutes talked about like, you know, cultural genocide yeah. and residential schools yeah. and like how this Get relates heavy. to you. Yeah. It's like, it's super heavy, super quickly. Um, but in, I, I actually wanted to talk about that a bit in relation to uh, Dead North. Dead North's coming up next week and yeah. you are, you've been in lots of Dead North films. We've made a couple together and mm -hmm. uh, just, I mean. I'm like can, super disappointed. I'm not going to be here for it. Like. What the hell? School? <sighs> Planned around Dead North, please. Yeah, Dead North is my favorite oh my kind God, of... it's so awesome. It's just, like, it's so good. It's a celebration of amateurism. Yes. It's an embracement of, like, the fucked up things that happen in the yeah. world and allowing amateurs to tell those stories. Like, Absolutely. You know? And maybe that's why I like having this podcast, because it's like, I feel comfortable having a conversation with you about things I may not, you know, know everything about. And yeah. it's like, I also feel comfortable making a horror film about people getting murdered. And it's yeah, like, it's I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Um, but, uh, no, so you, I mean, how, how, how do you feel about Dead North? Can you kind of just summarize um, your thoughts of Dead North um, over the years? Yeah, it's amazing. It's <laughs> like the best event ever. And I'm so grateful to jay and pablo yeah, for exactly. creating this is a it. shout out like, to jay and pablo right like you guys are awesome thank you um yeah no but i really enjoy it because like yeah i mean it's it's one it's just like fun yeah it's to, like, super fun it's not yeah screen. it's not that serious which no. is great i like yeah. things that aren't that serious totally but then also like horror films are amazing yeah they're always and it's actually really difficult to create a good horror film because it, it's so many things have just been done so it's like, yeah, it's very thought provoking and it's an interesting like process. I, I really one. think people underappreciate the horror, horror, and, uh, <laughs> horror genre. <laughs> I never had that second syllable. Um, we're close. Yeah. I actually like 
keep a little morbid list in my mind and every time I someone tells me they have a fear I like mark it down as like ooh that's smart you know like if someone's like telling me like you know trapped under the ice is a good one and that's been explored in film but even the other day you know those silver staple guns that go like one of my friends is like I find those so uncomfortable and I'm like oh wow I'm gonna put that in a dead north film it's just like so aggressive do it just these filing away of people's fears and anxieties and (laughs) exploring them through film comically I think is a release it actually like helps people and it's hilarious I I do the same thing except I don't pick fears I pick like really gruesome scenes that I would like to see in a film yeah exactly and it's like like just like guts falling out of somebody's body oh (laughs) oh, yeah it's so good or like um wait what was the other one I had yeah I don't remember anyways like just like discussing things but like you wouldn't oh decapitation oh yeah nothing like a good decapitation right and and so this is a I (laughs) This is, I think, a millennial thing is that maybe everyone secretly has this, but like, you know, serial killer podcasts have exploded. And a lot of people yeah, are just massive now are owning this, that like there's something built in human nature to like dark, morbid things. Yeah. And that's why the genre exists. And yeah. it's fine. It doesn't really even make you a terrible. It does. It, is, no. it has no moral judgment attached to it. Absolutely you know? not. And I think Dead North and horror films are a recognition of that. Totally. And, Isn't it something to do with like... I feel like it's been studied before. I'm sure I'm it has. probably like making this up. But yeah, like, fine, make it up. Um, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like it has something to do with raising adrenaline levels and like fear induces yeah. that. And, and yeah, people, I think, like being scared. Part yeah. of it is they, that's why, it seems odd. Why would you watch a movie that scares the shit out of you? But, but that was like a norm of human experience for a thousand years yeah. that like a tiger is chasing you. Yeah. And it's nice to create a safe movie where it's a screen to like, relive some of those things you know it's kind of funny actually like to think about the history of horror films and like what what how fears have changed even like um one of the first films ever was like a train just coming towards the screen and people had never seen anything on film before and that scared the shit out of them like people watched it and i think it was in france and they were like getting up out of their chairs and like hiding behind their seats like terrified that's interesting yeah but it's, it, yeah, it's, like, funny, the changes in, in horror and, like... Well, and what's and what happened, obviously, are. is the genre has pushed so many limits so many where that a lot of people have been desensitized. Like, Absolutely. oh, just another decapitation, you know? Yeah, like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, what? Well, that I can just watch great. that now. And, you, and sometimes I catch myself watching it being like, oh, I wonder what they did for the makeup. There. I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's going on with those special effects? Right? Wow. I'm oh. always thinking like, oh my God, that shot was so cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I, was so gorgeous. I get a little too angle. movie about it. I'm like, oh, I just, I went is, to that, film is that done in yeah. post? Or what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I went to film school. You learn that. Yeah, exactly. It you're like, yeah, you just do that. It but can, it's also fun. Yeah. It like, can make movies, watching movies better, but it can also ruin them when you're like, I'm not actually just, I'm watching the movie for the technical aspect here, damn it. Yeah, that's true. You kind of lose. <laughs> you gain something and you lose something, but whatever. It is it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Dead North is the shit. Oh, it's so good. And it's just like, I. it's allowed me to explore so many kind of thoughts and like the amount... It's not even, like, the, the, I love it, too, because it's, like, the end product is so secondary. A, I think the first thing is, like, making movies with your friends. Is yeah, fun. absolutely. Creative no, projects sure. with your friends yeah. are fun. Yeah. Um, no, the process of, like, making the film is, like, more it. More yeah, what more... I love about Dead North than, I mean, the screenings are awesome. They're always fun. But, yeah, it's definitely more, like, the process of making a, a horror film. Yeah, with a bunch of friends in, like, the dead of winter. Yeah. And, like, figuring all that shit out because it's really cold. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what else, what else are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is it's allowed me to explore, like, like it's funny. Like, I've helped make three Arsenic Wars films now. Yeah. And um, I didn't have much involvement in this year's, but it's still, you know, it's an Arsenic Wars film. And I put a lot of thought into this universe that, like, doesn't get reflected in the end product. The fact that I've spent, like, hundreds of hours, like, yeah. thinking about Giant Mine and, and the Arsenic and global warming and yeah. post-apocalyptic and what I would do in the apocalypse. <laughs> and it's just who like... Who doesn't think about that, though? I, I know, exactly. Like, I, don't, I wonder who doesn't think about that. But I think about that all the time. I Except also live in a boat in the Arctic, so maybe I'm a little... Right. <laughs> on the edge. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's just why we're like good friends. Yeah. Cause, like we always think about this shit. Yeah, I'm ready for the apocalypse. Yeah. I got a plan. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also think that Dead North is this perfect blend of horror and comedy and amateurism yes. that it allows the North, which has a lot of tragedy and a lot of dark history, and mm-hmm. you know. A lot to reconcile and deal with and, you know, and it allows it to have conversations that may not be had in a less serious way. And sometimes Uh, a less serious way allows people, you know, especially people like me who are new Southern, who would never even touch them to kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've had a lot of those conversations, too, which I really enjoy. Yeah, like my script ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Every one of of mine. (laughs) Every one of your script ideas we've talked about is just like pretty dark yeah like, and it's like pretty heavy you know like i would well kidding me <laughs> i would never pitch them in a million years i'm right. like oh this isn't the film i'm gonna yeah, make yeah. but i will talk to you about it and provide input and i'll talk about technical aspects and it's <laughs> like and then all of a sudden it's like both of us are engaging with this issue and we're talking to other people and it's yeah. like oh okay yeah no that's what i like about horror films though because you can like it doesn't the genre is so broad that you can you can incorporate pretty heavy topics yeah and like use horror as a platform well films is a platform films in general I yeah don't know. that's pretty broad yeah that's pretty yeah broad that's, statement, that's broad but like, yeah yeah but there is something to the horror there's something to the genre where people just understand like oh yeah you don't have to make like a intense political statement here you no. don't have to be super careful what everyone says it's because someone just got decapitated like yeah, you know right? <laughs> that's what happens there's like blood and it's everywhere it's like yeah, exactly. It kind of just creates this gory comedy at times, which is it's just great. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's awesome. We both sit there and nostalgically <laughs> think about Dead North. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, perhaps... Do you, do you want to tell me? Pitch pitch me a movie. You got a okay, couple... Yeah, we have yeah. lots of scripts. So, actually, I'm going to put this a qualifier. Dead North has a $10,000 pitch competition, and uh, me nice. and Cyclo have kind of been talking about it. I'm going to pitch... Uh, I don't know if I'm... Maybe I'm releasing the secret. I'm going to pitch kind of like an Arsenic Wars origin story. About how the world ended, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. It's, yeah, it sounds like a really I, awesome. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, pitch me a movie. Okay, so for ten grand oh that my I don't God. have. I suck at pitching. Okay, wait. Uh, my idea was to, um, to, so in Clicho, Clicho, there's a term for <laughs> for bushman naga. Um, there's a saying like, "What's a hoji naga?" Like scary bushman. Yeah. Um, and so my idea was to start out with like um like pre-contact like two indigenous kids like talking about what's a hojinaga like the scary bushman that like their mom told them about and how um that like oh but it's just a story like it's no big deal whatever and like be joking about it kind of about how like they're not scared because they're they're tough whatever and then um 
what what ends up happening is they like they're like in the bush at, later and uh, with their parents and and their parents like start screaming like what's Hoji Naga what's Hoji Naga like um, telling them like get down like hide kind of thing and so they actually get really scared and then it um, evolves into like there's actually like a um, Indian officer coming to steal them and bring them to residential school. Oh wow, that's funny. We came full circle back to I know, right? the dark and residential then, school. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then, and then, um, so then it jumps forward, and instead of it like being about their experience at residential school, it instead is about that that same kid that's now back in their community, and like trying um, interacting with their parents, but refusing to speak in Klicho Yeti and um, like grimacing every time like they have to like. Um, participate in Klicho like or cultural practices and and every time that they grimace it goes through a flashback like a really fast-paced flashback of their experience in residential schools and how it was drilled into them like you're not allowed to do these things and like this um, this is wrong and like god forbids it whatever um, and so the story is like really fast-paced and then it comes full circle and uh, like this, this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and this kid is now like talking to their own children about what's a hojinaga and how like it influenced them. So it's it's about like, yeah, residential school <laughs> and like but also like the real fear of, of being stolen and taken away from your home and like why it's so hard for people to to kind of um, reclaim traditional practices. Yeah, wow, it's well, it's neat how much that ties into what we were kind of just talking about. It's I super know, interesting. Right? <laughs> wow, <laughs> art. Who knew? Holy shit! Who um, thought? Yeah, and I, wow, that's cool. I like there's that there's kind of like you know there's the intergenerational aspect too. Yeah, yeah of like you yeah, know, totally. it ends with them like telling their own children this. Yeah, uh, I don't know how the fuck I'd film it, but like I think it'd be a cool project. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. <laughs> figure it out. Right. Yeah. No, I I like those. Like, you could. I, I almost picture the residential school world being like otherworldly, you know, like mm. really dark flashbacks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I like what you said, like fast cuts. Yeah, you very know? fast cuts in that. Because you don't want to linger too much on it, you know? It's more like that's what they experience. And so that, that kind of like immediately, that's how they, what they think of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it just like carries with them throughout their life. You know? Yeah. Um, can you tell me more about the Bushman? What do you know? He. I actually don't know that much. I should do some more research <laughs> before I, like, actually pitch the story. Um, I think that's, like, kind of all I know is that, yeah, they, like, kind of thought about it as, like... But it was, like, a, a legend where the the Bushman, like, grabbed children? Is oh, that... yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's part of it is that, like, it would be a... Um, you got to be quiet. you got to listen to parents, like, uh, come okay. home at night, and otherwise yeah, yeah. the Bushman will get you. Kind of like, yeah, you know... Um... What's the the calipulit? Like you know, don't yeah. go on the ice; it'll grab you. Like right, I, right. I like these. Yeah. So and I mean, it's like you know, it's a like pretty cultural norm that like yeah. the boogeyman will get you if yeah. you misbehave. Kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, so it's, it's totally also like that. playing to kind of like a pretty common myth or legend or story. I, yeah. That I I don't. What what's the word? Do you have a preferred word? Myth, legend, story. Like what do I call that? Um, Tale. I don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think it would be legend would be more accurate because myth implies like a fake story yeah fair fair yeah. um yeah and i i like that um well and this is the other thing i like about dead north and i like talking to you is that like 
it it ties back into what I was saying, this, like, idea of indigenous culture is not dead. And it's, like, I think it does people a disservice to, like, not hear, you know, even as, like, a white settler, to not hear these stories and then to not have indigenous people, like, reframing them for their modern culture. It's, like, you know, there's there's these legends that are, whatever, archetypes. They're, like, key to a cultural lesson. Yeah. And it's, like, it's so interesting when someone like you takes it and reapplies it to, like, a different scenario. Yeah, for sure. You know, the the key lesson kind of stays there, but it gets Mm -hmm. readapted a little. Mm -hmm. And and we're seeing more and more of that, and Dead North is doing more and more of that, and, like, we're seeing a lot of these great, like, northern legends, which... There's yeah. a lot of darkness in There's the n- northern like, yeah. Yeah, stories. And, like, and they're getting retold in different mediums with mm-hmm. animation or digital effects. And yeah. it's like so many filmmakers in the north are like making that come to life. And like, you know, they're going to the community like Ula Haktak and yeah. finding a legend or a, a legend and then like bringing it to life yeah. in a different medium and getting that out there. And it's like it's so it, there's so much demand for it because yeah. it's so unique and interesting. For sure. And I think it does a service to, you know that culture yeah to like you know reformat or not necessarily reformat but like take a, a different perspective yeah or add add your own perspective to these these tr- traditional stories and i was talking to when pat kane was on here like that is his goal he's like when he's going to take photos he's yeah. always like the first and foremost like i talk to everyone in the community and like what's the photo you want like what right. what is a useful photo for you to like make sure is done professionally and archived, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And he gets the responses he gets is always better than his idea. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. That's <laughs> a good it, point. Yeah. So there's just this like, what's a, I, and that's why, like, that's why I wouldn't pitch that story because there's like this value in um, genuine, like, or yeah. what, whatever the word I'm looking for <laughs> <laughs> when it comes from a Cleecho person. Um, yeah, but this is, like, about residential schools. <laughs> That's a dodgy subject Very, for a white dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so the, even beyond that, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not telling a legend, and then I'm not telling a residential school survivor story. But I, that being said, it's like, if, you know, you want to make that film and I can help, I will. Because yeah, I, yeah, I almost sure. think that's, like, you know, it becomes a duty on the person in the North, like, if you have skills and, like, if someone wants to do some art, like, yeah, yeah. Know, what, what can I do to help you? And it's yeah, like, I, sure. I don't have much to I offer, but I've like got time. Yeah, that's why I love Dead North and also the North is because, like, people just support each other in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, like, people throw ideas out there, like, hey, yeah. I need this. And there's, like, 100 people, like, yeah, sure, I'll hop on board. Yeah. And they're excited to. Right, I know. You know, there's, like, you're, you're tapping into something when there's that, like, raw passion and willingness to just volunteer. Yeah. 40, like, if you want to make that movie, I'll volunteer 40 hours of editing. It's yeah, like, exactly. Sure, yeah, yeah, sounds great. No, I know. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just know that seems like a great idea. Right? Fucking would never do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Is that you're just like the lack of community in Victoria is just apparent. <laughs> you probably just don't know the right people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When it takes time to build community, you can't just leave a place where you've had it your whole life and then expect it to just be, be there. there. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't it just be easy? Can't I just be lazy shit? No. Yeah. You know, that's just my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that I, I mean, I, that is super. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say next. What should we talk about next? <laughs> <laughs> Such a professional podcast right. this is. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, when is this pitching thing happening? Uh, Thursday, I can say. Oh, um, man. That's a whim. I, like, just miss it. When do you leave? On Monday. Tomorrow. Such, right, tomorrow. <laughs> and it's funny because when we release, I won't release this by today. Yeah, so so <laughs> tomorrow will just be arbitrary. And right. same with Thursday. Yeah. All of this <laughs> is just turning into terrible podcasting. I, I think I'm going to kind of wrap up. Um, 
But before I do that, I kind of do this same speech I give every time, which is that the reason I'm doing this, and it's funny that I'm doing this because we literally a couple nights hadn't seen each other in a few months and went for beers at the pub and had like a two hour intimate conversation talking about a lot of the topics we just talked about. So it's funny that the reason I'm doing this podcast is to like reconnect with people and have one-on-one conversations. But it's funny because we just did that. But even I actually found (laughs) that the conversation we had at the bar was like one of the best conversations we've had in a long time. that's true. And uh, maybe that's because we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And, And maybe it's just, I don't know. I'm developing better social skills. I have no idea. And sometimes there is these kind of silences between us. But I also think we become good enough friends that maybe that's just fine. You know, it's fine to have a silence. Totally. Um, Yeah. Like this. (laughs) But uh, no, if you could (laughs) give me your thoughts on the podcast and how you feel about this. Oh, yeah. So I was telling you uh, when we hung out last that. I really enjoy your podcast. That is oh great. yeah, this is. So, did we talk about this? We already? did actually. Yeah, that I said. I told you that. Like, I actually listened to all of them. Yeah, really you enjoyed. listened to every single I've one, actually, which I found hilarious. Why? It's actually really. It's really refreshing because uh, I mean, we did talk about how like both of us are really into serial podcasts, and like I listen to a shit ton of podcasts, and it gets exhausting the interview style. Like, it's it's nice to just and refreshing just to hear like a friend, two friends have a conversation. Yeah, there's definitely no production value on this. And I do think there's there's something lacking in the way, A, too much production value on a lot of media and, like, stock question and answer yeah. format. You know, sometimes you want to let people fumble and be like, oh, you know, because yeah, that's totally. what happens. Because that's just life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, don't you know, you, the <laughs> you stumble through life. And, you know, exactly. I think this podcast has been a good kind of example of that. It's yeah. like, here we are touching on some subjects that we don't, you know, they're fucking, we don't have answers to. No, but absolutely not. I, anyone listening to this, I hope has the understanding that it's like still important to talk about these, even if you don't have the answers. Yeah, for sure. Because it creates A, understanding, and B, you just like, then maybe you're like, I should go look that up. Like, you know, it's good I should to be go talk to other people every once in a while, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, good. It's good. Cool. I I didn't. That's neat. You've listened to all of them. That's you. You crush a lot of podcasts too. You're like, oh my god, a lot. That's like a huge part of yeah. Like, <laughs> who it's you are. pretty like gross how much like I absorb podcasts and and films. <laughs> like, just yeah yeah. Like I've probably spent too much time. <laughs> And yeah, maybe I should be yeah. studying more. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're studying. I, I mean, my understanding is your last job at the... Well, we can talk about that now. The City of Yellowknife, <laughs> yeah. you could kind of just... Like, what you're doing is administrative, so you can listen to a podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I worked for the city as administrative assistant, and, like, my job was data entry. So, like, I would... To, like, st- stay vill- <laughs> village... Oh, my God. I can't say words today. I can't ever say words. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, um, so to stay awake, <laughs> I would um, listen to to a lot of like serial killer like like creepy podcasts, true crime podcasts, so that I could stay awake for one, and and also stay on top of what I was doing. It was a weird like multitasking thing, but yeah, I would listen to eight hours of podcasts a day and ran out really quickly. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I, I I don't know. Should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You want to ring the ship's bell? <gasps> yeah, I can do it again. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, signing off from Dispatches of the Scandinavian with uh, my good friend Cyclo Scott. Thanks Ooh, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Ring the bell. I can do it. I can <laughs> yeah. Do it. yeah. <laughs>